welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Last week I started a, two, uh, a two-part real quick message um, all about revival. Um, not a long series, but two-parters are, are quite good for, for series lengths, in my opinion. All about personal revival, something that God really challenged me with over the, the break between Christmas and New Year's that I really, He put in a desire in my heart really to, to seek personal revival again afresh in my life. And I've been taking that very seriously and pursuing that diligently since Christmas. And I shared a little bit about that last week. I wanted to finish it off this week. Vance Harvener says, the revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. And I absolutely love that. The revival of the many starts with the revival of one. So often we think that God just does something in a whole city or a, a region gets saved or gets reignited with him. It usually always starts with just one person or a handful of people that they're sick of the apathy in their own lives, the compromise, um, and, and they, they see the hurt and the brokenness all around them, and they put their hands up and they said, so you say, here am I, Lord, send me, use me. It's the heart of a revivalist. And I really do think God is stirring many of us, not just here in Renew Church, but all over the world. God is going to be doing something exciting um, in, in the near future. And I, I shared this quote last week. I want to share it again this week. Most believers are sitting back waiting for a collective stirring that they would call revival. God is waiting for an individual to be stirred. When an individual is stirred, that stirring will infect others, which will continue until the whole is overwhelmed with the stirrings of God. It only takes one spark for the entire process to start. Will you be that one spark? Very, very challenging. Will you be that one spark today? Say, God, here am I, use me, send me to spark a reawakening and, and, and with my friends and family, with my church, with my region. I've got three points this week. First of all, turn back and do what you did at first. Uh, number two, break up your fallow ground. And number three, embrace the process of renewal. So number one, turn back and do what you did at first. We unpacked this a lot more last week. But again, I just wanted to, to, to recap a little bit. In Revelation chapter 2, verse for onwards, Jesus is really commending and affirming uh, the Ephesian church, the, the Christians in Ephesus. Um, so he has a lot of good things to say about their church, but because Jesus is always wanting us to take that next step in that journey of discipleship with him, he, he, will, um, he will challenge us on a few things. And he does this with this church. He says, For I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Basically, Jesus is saying you have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. And, and repent simply means turn back, make a change of direction, make a course adjustment and do those things that you did at the beginning when you had that passion, you had that fresh fire for Jesus and this created some good discussion in the lounge churches this week. Um, the Bible says that 
zeal or passion without knowledge gets us into a little bit of trouble. And probably all of us can remember that, you know, when we were full of fire and the Holy Spirit and we were so keen to, to, to please Him, we maybe were a little bit legalistic or we said things um, insensitively. But then as we mature in God, we, we gain knowledge. So at the start, we were zealous without knowledge. Unfortunately, though, as we mature, we almost lose that zeal. We lose that passion and we have a whole lot of knowledge without zeal. We need both. We need that passion. We need that fire. We need that zeal. And we need that maturity at the same time. So turn back. Do what you did it first. Look at what your life was like when you first got saved, when you were first set free. And look at perhaps the difference in your life now and, and turn back, make a course correction and, and fall in love with Jesus all over again. So that's number one. If you want to know more about that, listen to last week's podcast or video. Turn back, do what you did at first. And number two, break up your fellow ground. That's F-A-L-L-O-W. It's not fellow like in your mate or your friend. Break up your fellow ground. And it's an agricultural term. It's like a farming term for, for sowing seeds. And, and even nowadays, we sort of don't say that even when we're planting. You don't say your mate when he's planted his veggie garden, oh, how's the fellow ground in your, in your, in your, in your patch and your, your veggies? We don't say that word today. But nevertheless, it is such an important and a specific word. Break up your fellow ground. It comes from Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, which says, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fellow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. What does this word fellow mean? Well, fellow ground is ground that has been prepared for seed, but it has been neglected, resulting, resulting in hardened and potentially weedy soil. For it to be fertile soil, it must be plowed anew, broken up and made soft again, ready to receive seed. The Bible makes it the personal responsibility of every one of us to do this with our hearts. Break up your fellow ground. It is time to seek the Lord. Other Bible translations, obviously, because the word fellow is a bit of an archaic word, it, it, they basically say, break up the hard ground of your heart. Fellow ground is ground that has been prepared in the past, but it has been neglected and it becomes so hard that so a little seedlings, their roots can't penetrate that hardness. And even though there may be rains, because it's so dense, because it's so hard, that rain won't penetrate that soil. And the Bible says that it's our responsibility to break up that hard ground of our heart, to make it soft. Again, Charles Finney says, many people never even seem to think about doing this. They pay no attention to their own hearts and never know whether they're doing well in their walk with the Lord or not, whether they are bearing fruit or are totally barren. Now you must draw off your attention from all other things and look into this right now. It's like a sense of urgency with this. Make a business of it. Do not be in a hurry. It's our responsibility to break up the hard ground of our hearts, but how do we actually do that? I think it's quite simple. So often we overcomplicate things. For me, it's, it's setting deliberate time aside with God and be really um, receptive to what He's having to say to me in, in my uh, reading of the Word, in my prayer time, in my time just spending time 
with them. So was it last Wednesday or Thursday? I had a, a very challenging day, and, and every, every day seems to be challenging these days. And I just needed to spend some time in the evening alone with God. So um, chucked on my active wear, which isn't really active wear, um, headphones, put on some worship music, walked around the loop late at night. No one else was around and just sp- spoke in tongues, just said, God, please help me penetrate my heart afresh. And he did that. It's just so amazing how God is so faithful. When we ask him those things, he will start to do a work. And, and I came home that night feeling so refreshed, uh, feeling so relieved, spending that time. But uh, as Charles Finney said back then, and it's probably way worse now, we, we neglect having that time alone because there's so many other things that are contesting for our time with God. So I think I shared it last week, me and a few of my good friends, we're being really deliberate and serious about this. Um, and we're gathering together and we're doing three things and really keeping each other accountable. First of all is prayer, spending specific quality time alone with God. Now, I used to be so good at being a graze prayer, you know, praying throughout the day, but I've really understood um, in the last year or two the, the significance and the importance of spending a solid amount of time, it's best in the morning in my opinion, um, with the Lord in prayer. So that's number one, prayer. Number two is this word we hardly ever hear of, asceticism, which basically means denying yourself of comforts for a time so that you can instead pursue the goodness and the will of God. Again, there are so many comforts that we have in our life today. And really, when you think about it, they, they compete for our time with God. It's not a legalistic thing, but it's just a thing where it's like, okay, God, I'm going to put this uh, time aside Uh, doing this thing for now because I want to focus on you. I want to have that spiritual reawakening in my life. And the third one is fraternity, another word that we don't often use in New Zealand. True fellowship, where two or more are gathered together. I am there, Jesus says. But so often people think, well, you know, just going for a fish mash or going for a cup of coffee and talking about anything else but Jesus really. And it's like, well, Jesus is there. No, it's when we specifically meet together and we hold each other accountable and we encourage one another and we pray for one another and we journey together, very much like what a lot of us are doing in lounge churches. So those three things basically pattern the life and ministry of Jesus. Prayer, um, being sold out for him, asceticism and fraternity, breaking up the fallow ground in your heart is so important. Uh, And number three is embrace the process of renewal. I love that word, renew. It's part of our name. It means to be made new again. And if you do a word study, revive and renew are so closely linked. They are used interchangeably uh, many times. So to be renewed is so similar to be revived. So number three, embrace the process of renewal. Matthew 9 verse 17 says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins, For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. And a lot of people love that verse for instigating change and and really encouraging the new and and traditional people that love the old challenge with it. But what does that actually mean? Mean And we have to have a bit of an ancient Middle East uh, history lesson to sort of understand that. Obviously, back in those days, they never had glass or bottles or plastic containers, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, but they had 
skins instead. So what they used was skins to hold liquid and with wine, but those skins had to be supple and they had to be stretchable, pliable, because what happened was the wine would uh, ferment And if they weren't ready for that, if they hadn't been renewed, then the skins, because they were dry without any liquid in them, would crack um, and the skins would be ruined and the wine would be wasted. It was very, very expensive to buy new skins. So what people understood was they put old wine skins into this renewing process to make them like new again. Uh, And we've got to understand, dig a little bit deeper here, because the text says new wine is stored in new wineskins. It's two different words for new. So that first one, new, is neos, which means brand new. So brand new wine. Um, And then it says uh, later on, brand new wine is stored in new wineskins. That's not brand new, neos. It's kainos, which means renewed, to be made new Again, which is pretty amazing. Brand new wine is stored in renewed wineskins so that both are preserved. God wants to do a brand new thing in every one of our lives, but we need to submit and embrace the process of renewal in our lives. It should be an everyday occurrence in in believers' lives. So the process of renewing a, a, a skin, the old wine skin was soaked with water. When it was dry, it was soaked with water um, for a long time, and that made it soft again. Then the crusty bits were scraped off it, and then oil was rubbed into that skin to make it ready for the wine. Then that skin was stretched, and then it was ready. Once it had gone through that process of being soaked and the crusty bits scraped off and oil being rubbed in and stretching, then the new wine was poured And and as that new wine fermented, the skin would stretch and it would hold the new. Then that process repeats itself. And that's exactly the same. It's such an awesome analogy for our lives as believers. So first of all, the Holy Spirit softens our hearts during our time with Him. We are soaked in Him, in His Word, in His presence. Some people call it soaking. We wait upon the Lord. Again, deliberate time, waiting upon the Lord, soaking in His presence. So we are soaked. Number two, the Holy Spirit will start to to put His finger and and address and challenge some of the areas in our lives um, that need to be scraped off. Uh, Usually it's directly through the Word, through accountable relationships. Those things come to the surface and is scraped off, then we are rebaptized with the Holy Spirit. The anointing is worked into our whole lives. Just like that oil is rubbed into that wineskin, God wants to have um, His Holy Spirit permeate every part of our lives. And then comes the stretching. <laughs> Never enjoyable. But God stretches us, usually before a new chapter, a new season in our lives, because it's not just for our own benefit, it's for the benefit of this lost world. So we submit to that stretching process and then we are ready for the new wine, the new chapter, that new challenge, that new assignment. We are ready to contain the new, what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of our churches. And then that process repeats itself. Now, isn't that amazing? Every single one of us should be always in one of those steps as as believers in our life of discipleship. So embrace the process of renewal. Break up your fallow ground. Turn back and do what you did at first. 
just wrapping up now. You know, last week I said we couldn't magically make revival happen in our hearts, and, and that's sort of true. But the incredible news is we sure can ask God to do something fresh and exciting and new in our lives. We can absolutely ask Him to revive and to renew our lives. And He loves that prayer. That is the prayer He will be so stoked to answer. Um, and I'll prove it. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 15. I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will He give the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is so into personal revival. I know I've shared this in another sermon series, but when I was a teenager, I just got hungry for for an encounter with God. I read this old 1970s book about how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, went into my room and God encountered me there. And uh, I, I freaked out, to be quite honest with you. But a few weeks later, I was in a young adults home group and a couple of my mates that I'd grown up with um, had, had backslidden for, for years and, and they had radically been revived. They had radically been renewed uh, and they couldn't help talking about the, their encounter with the Holy Spirit. So um, after um, our, our home group was a little bit stodgy, so people didn't know what to quite make of the Holy Spirit. But afterwards, there was a, a couple of us that were left and I was one of them. I said, please pray for that. I, I need revival in my own life. And these young guys just probably didn't really know what they were doing, but they laid their hands upon me and prayed. And, and again, God encountered me. I was filled with His love. He saturated my heart. I was able to speak in a brand new heavenly language. And <laughs> so funny, like I was on my motorcycle, motorcycle restricted back in the day and it was like quarter to 10. In those days, it was breaking the law if you were on your restricted. If you rode your, your bike or drove your car on your restricted over 10 uh, p.m. So I rung up um, my parents. I got mum on the phone. Hey, mum, I've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. I encountered God. Can I just break the law just this once and ride home a little bit later? It's like, no, you've got to come home now. So um, I rode my bike home, speaking in a new heavenly language, and hopefully I rode straight. No, I did. Um, <laughs> it was just a funny thing that happened. But my life was revived and renewed. And think back, if you've been saved, um, remember those times and, and have you drifted a little bit? Go back and do what you did at the start. Pray, ask for prayer, de dedicate, devote time in your life to seek God afresh because now is the time. He wants to reign righteousness. He wants to reign blessing upon us, but our, the soil of our hearts need to be prepared. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.